Amen. Amen. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to rejoice tonight. Good evening. Wow. All right. Here we go. Let's try that again. Good evening. All right. Good afternoon, I guess I should say. My times are all messed up. Thank you so much for being here to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for gathering with your family and, and friends. And I know, again, there's many traditions involved on this day and tomorrow. And so thank you uh, for just allowing us to be a part of that as we celebrate you know, what this is all about. And so uh, tonight, we pray your blessings upon your family as you gather and go through your routines. I know in my house, we always get to open one present. Um, and it's always pajamas, which I think is a fluke every year. And so you, you get excited over this one present, and then so mom just wants everyone to dress the same way. And so we get pajamas. And so whatever your traditions may be tonight, again, we want to pause in the midst of this, you know, and just to allow the main thing to remain the main thing, to make sure in all of the lights and the trees and the presents and you know, the traditions that we don't miss, you know, truly what we're celebrating, what we're celebrating is our deliverer, our savior who came for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you gather tonight with your family, as you gather tonight with you know, your traditions, I pray that even in the exchanging of gifts and the exchanging of, of time together, that you can reflect you know, again upon truly what it is that we celebrate. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you for just a couple of minutes tonight. I want to read one verse to you. It's the first time we see the name of Jesus appear in the New Testament. And so if you've got your Bibles, it's Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. If you've been with us on Sunday mornings, tonight I'm going to kind of tie a series together. We've been going through on Sunday mornings the characters of Christmas. Again, trying to look at the story of Christmas, not just as the story that washes over us, because many of us, right, we grew up in the church. Many of us, we've heard this story since we were little kids and how easy it is, right? And I think it's one of the, the, the attacks of the enemy to just get caught up in the routine of it and miss, you know, truly how extraordinary this is what we're celebrating. And so we've been going through this series of, of the ordinary and the extraordinary. And what we've been talking about is how God uses ordinary people. It was nothing magnificent about the people that he chose to use. You go back to the shepherds. I find it so amazing that to the people that he delivered the message, they weren't even allowed in the religious system. I hear people say all the time, well, I'm not religious. Good. Neither am I. We, we believe in a savior, not a religion, right? And so the message of, of Christmas came to shepherds who weren't even allowed in the religious system. They were outcast. They weren't even allowed in the temple. And God chose them to deliver the message of Christmas. And then here we find the message to Joseph. The next week we talked about really thinking through, like, like what was it like for this young Jewish man teenage, 17, 18, Mary being probably 14, 15, their lives in front of them. And then all of a sudden the Lord steps in and goes, hey, I've got a different plan for you. And so what we find in here is the first time the name of Jesus is mentioned. And you see grace all in this. The first 20 verses is the genealogy of Christ. And what's amazing about this, if you've ever seen this, you see grace. Because there are four women named in the genealogy of those first 20 verses leading up to the birth of Christ. The first woman named all of them have something in common. You have Tamar, who was a prostitute, Genesis 38. You have Rahab, who was a prostitute. Go back and read Joshua. You see a reoccurring theme here. You have Ruth, who was a Moabite princess, you know, a part of a, of a Gentile clan that was cursed. And then you have the, the wife of Uriah. Who is that a reference to? A reference to Bathsheba, the woman that David committed adultery with. And so what you find in the line, even leading up to this verse, is grace. 
Grace, grace, that God would even say, hey, not only am I bringing the Savior, I'm bringing the Savior into a world that is broken that needs a Savior. Take your Bibles if you wouldn't stand with me. I want you to read this one verse. This one verse, Matthew 1, 21, and there's three things in this. There's a son, a savior for sinners. That's, that's what we celebrate tonight, three S's. A son, a savior for sinners. That's the message of Christmas tonight. But let me just say this. I pray you know how loved you are. Like, as we go through Christmas, we gather with people we love. And I know in this room, you could say, man, I'm, I'm loved. I pray everyone in this room can say that. And I believe everyone can, that you are loved tonight by someone. And you think about the person who loves you the most in your life. And I want you to just understand that the love we're talking about demonstrated here in the message of Christmas, that love can never compare because that love is a fallen love. The love we're talking about in Christmas is a perfect love that God has given us through his son. Look at what it says here in this one verse. First time we see the name of Jesus mentioned in the New Testament, Matthew 1, 21. This is the message to Joseph from the angel. And it says this, three sentences, and she will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Join with me if you would as we go to Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we can gather tonight to celebrate, to celebrate what you've done, to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate the birth of a Savior. But Lord, we know that that birth led to a cross. And so as we gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus, we gather to celebrate the birth of Jesus because we know that Christmas led to Easter. And this baby that we celebrate, born of the Holy Spirit, born out of sin, Lord, we know that he lived and he grew and he died. And he rose again. And so, Lord, tonight we celebrate a risen Savior. We thank you for a God who fulfills his promises. Lord, I pray every person in this place has experienced this perfect love that cannot, will not fail. That wherever someone may be tonight, may they hear in the Christmas message of how truly loved they are. We thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you sent us your son. We celebrate tonight, Jesus. It's in his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Very quickly tonight, I just want to look at these three lines in Matthew 1, 21. And as we celebrate Christmas, to remind ourselves again, the main thing, the main thing, I have a 10-year-old son and we're really big into superheroes right now. And so there'll be a lot of superhero stuff over these next couple of days. And I don't mind that. I love super. I grew up in the 80s. How many 80s kids in here? Anybody? So my brother's six years older than I am. He was uh, little, you know, grew up, uh, born in 72. And so in 1980, 81, there was this weird movie that came out, Flash Gordon. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like the weirdest movie of all time. So that was a little early for me. That was my brother's jam. My brother loved Flash Gordon. But then there was a show that came along that became like my show. It was called The Greatest... Amer Wait, hold on now. The greatest American hero. Do y'all remember that? Do y'all believe it or not? I'm. <laughs> y'all know? Yep, right, right. And he was like a high school teacher or something like that. Like, and he, he discovered this suit and became a superhero. And the premise of it all, right, whatever movie you watch, right, whether it's Iron Man or Superman or even the greatest American theater, the premise is there's someone in a situation that needs saved. The premise of every superhero is someone is in a circumstance or a situation that they themselves can't get out of, that they need something outside of themselves, usually something supernatural, to deliver them. And over these last couple of days, I thought about, like, as we're spending the money on these superhero stuff, I don't know if he's in the room, but as we're spending money on this superhero stuff, I'm thinking to myself, right, all this talk about superhero in the world that we live in, may we not miss 
the greatest hero who has ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this in this one verse, what God has done for us through Christmas. Look at this one thing. And she will bring forth a son. We know that this is a direct connection to the first Christmas prophecy, right? We've talked about this through our series. If you go back to Genesis 3.15, right, the very beginning, you have the Garden of Eden. You have Adam and Eve, right? You have the serpent. And there the serpent says what? Did God really say that? And we understand that's always his pattern, right? Anytime the enemy tempts us, he has no original material. And so he can only take the things of God and try to cast doubt upon them. You see that in the Garden of Eden. Oh, God told you not to touch that. Well, well, is it because he doesn't want you to be like him? And he tries to cast doubt. He tries to stir up doubt. And so he takes the truth and he tries to distort it. And so there in the Garden of Eden, we know the story. That Eve and Adam were disobedient. Sin entered into humanity, and you find them hiding there in the garden. And as God is walking through the garden, right, they're hiding themselves because they are shameful. And what you find there, and I find it so amazing, that the first thing that God does is he doesn't judge or condemn. He provides grace. And there in the Garden of Eden, you have the first Christmas verse. You have Genesis 3.15. It's the first prophecy of Jesus. And I'll read it word for word. It says this. He looks at the serpent. And he says, I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, Mary, and between your seed, and then here was a prophecy of the virgin birth, her seed, and he, here it is, Jesus, the Messiah, shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so we've talked about this through this series, right, right? This message that was given to the shepherd, this message that was given to, to Joseph. There have been 400 years of silence, no message from God. And in the darkest of times, the greatest message came, and that's encouragement. I know in my own life, because I don't understand the timing of God. I don't understand the work of God. God doesn't call me to. He calls me to trust him. He calls me to yield to him. And what you see in all these characters is you see a yielded spirit, not necessarily understanding the story like we do, but just trusting in a God in the moment. And I wonder how many of us, even tonight on this Christmas Eve gathering, He's calling us to just trust him in the moment. We don't know the next page of the story. He's not asking us to. He's asking them to trust us in the moment. Christmas is wonderful, but Christmas can be hard. I just wonder, man, how the Lord can just minister to you even in this message. He will bring forth the Son as a reminder of the faithfulness of God. And we quote this all through Scripture, right? The first verse that we learned, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten I remember when Tristan first learned it, he said he, he, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. I'm like, bro, that changes the whole theology. <laughs> it's begotten, one and only. But we know the son is all through scripture, right? Luke 19, 10, for the son came to seek and to save the lost. There's the Christmas message. That the message from the angel given to Joseph, this son has come for a purpose. This son has not just come to do miracles and to teach great things. This son came to die. This son came to die for sinners. A son. Not because we earned it or deserved it. Let me ask you something. We talked about love. Have you ever experienced in spite of love? Where someone showed you love in spite of yourself? Have you ever been in a situation where you didn't deserve that love? You messed up and it is obvious and it is seen and someone still showed you grace? Someone still showed you mercy? I remember being in seminary and, and our professor was talking about, he had seven children and he was talking about, you know, the, the, of what God had done in his life through the different seasons of family. And he said this to us, he said, listen, God writes different stories in different people's lives and he allows the gospel to come to surface in so many different ways. He said, in my life, it was like, it was when I had kids. 
That when I had kids, the gospel came into a place that I'd never seen before. To give up my child, to give up my child, not because someone deserves it or because someone's loving me, but someone who is spitting upon me, turning their back upon me, and I'm going to give you my child. And so when we hear the term son, as you gather tonight with your family and your kids and your grandkids, just allow the term son to just set in for a moment and understand that the message of Christmas is that the father gave us his son. And the son came for us. And look at the next part of this verse, and you shall call his name specifically Jesus, Yeshua, Hebrew for Joshua, Jehovah saves, Jehovah, the Savior. Jesus occurs almost a thousand times throughout almost 950 verses in the New Testament. This is the first time we see his name. This is the connection to Joseph, that it's not just any child, that he is the son of God, but this Jesus is the one that the prophets spoke of. This Jesus is the one who created this universe according to God's word. I mean, here's some of these verses and allow this to sink in that what we celebrate tonight is the one who was born in a trough. Who was the one born in a trough? Well, let me share it with you. Hebrews 1.3 describes Jesus like this. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purifications of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. John says this in John 1, 3, all things came into being through him and apart from him, nothing came into being that came into being. And so allow this to sink in that he is born in a trough, surrounded by the things that he created as a helpless baby. Not just any baby, but this baby whose name would be called Jesus. Colossians 1.16 says this, for by him, this Jesus, hear this, for by him, all things were created, both in the heavens, on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. I have always been intrigued by astronomy, the depths of the universe and the billions of galaxies. I'm amazed by that. And I believe one day, it's not in scripture, but I believe one day the Lord will allow us to travel and see all those things. I can't prove that according to God's word. That is my hope in my heart. But according to this verse, we don't even have the tools to get outside our own universe. And yet the one that we celebrate, born by dirty animals, is the one who created the things that we haven't even scratched the surface to know what's out there. And you want to see a love story? Why did he come? Look at the last part of this verse, and we're going to close. A son came, named Jesus, and then here's the Christmas message for he will save his people from their sins. I invite you just to bow your heads right where you are. Hebrews 4.14 is one of my favorite verses, and it speaks of the incarnation of Christ. Listen to what this says. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, that a God who passed through the heavens to come here for a reason. Listen to this. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly. Not to the throne of judgment or condemnation, but to the throne of grace. And have you found this tonight? Can you honestly say you celebrate this tonight at Christmas that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? As we go through our traditions with our family, as we go through tomorrow, 
as we exchange these gifts and as we celebrate the blessings of God in our lives, may we pause and reflect that the God of this universe loved me so much that in spite of me, he came. He didn't come to a temple. He didn't come to a palace. He came in the lowest of lows, born of a virgin in the house of a carpenter, the God of this universe. And as we celebrate tonight, Christmas, we celebrate a God who fulfilled the promise given there in the garden. That no Satan, you've not won. That yes, the curse of sin has entered into humanity, but Satan, you have not won. There will be one who will come. And this one who came is Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you tonight, Lord, and we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for a son. We thank you for Jesus. And we came that he came to save sinners. Lord, in the place where we are tonight, wherever we may be. Lord, may we even see ourselves in the story that you're writing in our own lives. A call to faith, a call to trust. Even in the Christmas message, we can be so encouraged. You are God today, that you were yesterday, that you will be tomorrow. And you are faithful. You are faithful. Every promise. You are faithful. Lord, I know tonight may be difficult to even some in this room as they go through this tradition of Christmas. Lord, may they feel your presence in a unique way, the closeness of your spirit. Lord, may they feel your embrace, your hope, your peace that surpasses understanding. To see truly how loved we are. Jesus came for us. He came for us. And he upheld every responsibility given. And then he died for us. Lord, tonight, tomorrow. May the name of Jesus be quick to our hearts and our minds. Lord, we give you praise for what you have done. We thank you for Christmas. Because we know that crib led to a cross. And there upon that cross, we as sinners see the payment. The wages of our sins. We thank you for a savior who is victorious. We give you praise in this place. We lift high. We lift high the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. And all of God's people say, God bless you. Merry Christmas.